that you are so good. We're thankful that everything that you say, um, we can bank on it, Lord. You are the promises of your heart, Lord, the, the things that you have um, ordained, Lord, they are coming to pass. And we're grateful for that. We ask today that you would lift our hearts up in you and you'd strengthen us in every single good word and deed. And uh, we do thank you for the precious opportunity to be a part of the nations and what you're doing in the nations. And we're believing you for um, hilarious giving today, that which would not be understood by man's uh, comprehensions. Lord, we thank you that you gave incredibly at the cross, Jesus. So in response, we want to give to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, community of faith, Christian fellowship. Good to see you today. You glad to be here? Yeah, all right. <laughs> if you're not, uh, fake it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't fake it. That's not what we're about. Hey, I got a um, little update. Our uh, worship coordinator, Becky Zukowskis, uh, who's not here today, has not been here the last three weeks. I wanted to give an update on her. She set a record. She set a record at St. Elizabeth's Hospital for having less sodium than anyone I think they'd ever seen. Uh, <clears throat> not a good record to set, but uh, Becky has had a situation with her um, uh, pituitary, and I, I don't know how enough to describe the situation, uh, uh, but she was eating bacon in order to get more sodium back into her. But she, she has a situation um, with her, uh, with her uh, levels of sodium uh, in her body that uh, they feel like they have a diagnosis on finally. And she went in, and she was so incredibly low, they were just stunned by it. And uh, Mark and I were able to go by a few days ago, and she seemed pretty happy. Uh, she was... Um, it was yeah, but she was beginning to feel better. So over the last, I just want to read an update from her husband, Andrew. She is now on, on a particular medication to help her uh, stabilize her electrolytes and her salt and all of that. And um, let me read this. Praise God, this was a day ago. Praise God, Becky was released today at 2 p.m. She's really weak right now and desperately needs your prayers for sleep, but she's here. Her sodium is perfect and we have a daily regimen of pills to take. Thank you for all your prayers, action, and support. Becky is determined to see God glorified through all of this. Thank you again, Andrew. So I told Becky, get better. In Jesus' name, don't worry about uh, coming. <laughs> Obviously, she just got out yesterday, but we're here committed to her getting recovered as much as she can over the long haul and uh, being really better. And uh, There's been some things that have been going on with her that she hasn't understood for a while. So hopefully with this diagnosis, she's going to start feeling better and better and better. You may have noticed her sitting while she leads sometimes. That's because of this situation she's been dealing with for quite a while. So we're trusting that God's got something good for her future. And what a jewel uh, Becky is. What a gift she is. And what a great job you did today, Becca, by the way. <clears throat> all the, all the Beck, Becca, Becky, they're all anointed on the piano to worship. Let's pray right now for Becky, for her, rest, uh, her, her the restoration of her body and strengthening, and for us to enjoy many more days of worshiping our Lord with her. Lord, we thank you for Becky. We thank you for Andrew, for the servants to the body of Christ that they are. We proclaim over her full and complete healing today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We proclaim that uh, you are her healer, Jehovah Rophe. 
You are the one who from the beginning of all things to the end are uh, the one who made us, created us, formed us, and, and heal us. And so we proclaim over her and over Andrew uh, a day of liberty, a day of grace, a day of strengthening, and we're believing she's going to be back with us stronger and more empowered than ever before to worship you, God, and to see men and women delivered from uh, the works of the uh, adversary, the devil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, community of faith. I'm glad to be here. It is a pleasure. Um, you glad for some potentially warmer weather coming your way? I say potentially because yesterday I was a little shocked at the weather. It was a little chilly, but I think it's coming. But the good news is, as, as we were praying, a group of us from our uh, senior leadership team this morning, Mark Buckner prayed a prayer, and I thought it was adequate that not only the spring coming, uh, but God doing something even deeper in us than just a, a good mood because the spring is here. Uh, God doing something in us of, of renewal and of new life, and I have a sense for that today. God has something really good for you uh, in your life. I want you to just pray one moment where you are, just uh, very simply. You just say, God, set my heart on fire for Jesus. Why don't you just pray that where you are? Not a long prayer. Just ask him to set your heart on fire for Jesus. He will do that. We're going to study today. We're in the fourth week of our series called audience participation, the Jesus way. Say the Jesus way. The Jesus way. We are looking at the uh, farewell discourses here in uh, the book of John chapter 13 through chapter 17. And uh, as we spoke about last week, Jesus, uh, throughout the course of his ministry, when he started, when he was 30 years of age, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cleansed those who had leprosy, the skin disease, uh, and uh, the ostracization uh, of that disease. He, he uh, cast out demons, and he destroyed all the works of the devil. But he did not use all that he did to promote himself. He used it uh, uh, for God's glory, and he laid his life down. And so Jesus uh, rode into Jerusalem, not with chariots and horses to take over, but in a humble, in a gentle way, on a colt, as it says, the foal of a donkey. Jesus, the one who could have called thousands of angels down to execute judgment, chose to humble himself and give himself to God and for God's purposes. And so when we get here to John chapter 13 through 17, we are in the last week, uh, even the last hours of Jesus' life. And Jesus in thir John 13 gave us a demonstration of his love by washing the feet of the disciples and uh, drying them with the towel wrapped around him, by even washing the feet of his betrayer, Judas. And then after Jesus demonstrates this, then he, he is speaking earnestly to his disciples and showing them what the Jesus way is. What is the way uh, of Jesus? And as we talk about ways, um, throughout the scripture, you know, uh, Many people knew and saw God's acts. The book of, I mean, um, the Israelites in the Old Testament, when they came out of Egypt, the whole of the community saw the acts of God, the ten plagues upon Egypt, uh, the parting of the, of the Red Sea. They all saw his acts. But it says that Moses knew God's ways. Moses didn't just see the acts, but he understood why God did what he did. And then Jesus, many, many people saw Jesus walking around producing 
uh, life everywhere he went, destroying death, uh, miracles, and everything else. They saw his acts. But Jesus is taking his intimate disciples close to him at this time in his life, and he's saying, now I want to share with you my ways. Here is what I'm like. Here is what my, makes my heart beat, and here are some of the most precious things to my heart that I'm giving to you. Because what a leader says at the end of their life is of keen importance. Their memoirs, whatever else they might say. And what Jesus has to say is always of importance, but in this part uh, of Jesus' life, the last week of his life, it's very important that we understand Jesus' ways. And he's saying, I lived in this way. Now I am imparting to you as my disciples that you would live in such a way as this. We spoke in John chapter 13 about the Jesus way of servanthood. The way that is just blows the mind of, of, uh, of uh, our natural mindset, which is that Jesus, the leader of all, was the servant of all. And uh, we spoke in John chapter 14 about the Jesus way of obedience. If you love me, Jesus says, just as I obey my Father in everything, you'll obey me. You won't just be a sermon taster, right? Someone who just says, wow, Jeff preached well today or Mark preached well or someone else. No, but you'll be someone who actually says, how did I respond to what was said today? However it was delivered, God's always speaking to you. So the way, Jesus' way of obedience. Last week, we spoke about the Jesus' way of fruit bearing as we looked at um, Jesus talking about being the vine and us the branches. And today, we are going to speak about the Jesus' way of the Spirit. You see, Jesus is the one that we know and commune with through his spirit. It's very important that we know this. So, uh, you know, in talking about the Jesus way of the spirit, I've got to start at the beginning of my life. Now, don't be afraid. I won't go too far into that. That could be a very long story. But at the beginning of my life, if I'm going to talk about the way of the Spirit, and I want to talk about my mom for a minute. My mother, Emma Bianchi, was the most amazing example to me of someone that lived in the Jesus way of the Spirit. You know, when I was a a child, from the very earliest uh, point of my life, I saw my mom have a relationship with the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And and the way she interacted with him uh, always struck me that um, she was communing with God. She had a relationship with God. It wasn't just talking to the air, but relating with the person and this person of the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember as a young boy walking into my mother's room, and uh, I was, at times I'd walk in and she'd be kneeling by the side of her bed. And the presence, there was a presence in the room. I was, I was young. I was sensitive uh, at that age to this, and I recognized it wasn't... Um, it was, a, it was a presence that was holy. It was a presence that was joyous. It was a presence that calmed my heart. And what it was was the presence of God. She wasn't, as I said, just saying words when she prayed. But she was communing and communicating with a dear friend. I could tell that my mom uh, uh, was a dear friend of God's. You know, God was not just an idea to my mother. Jesus was not just a set of beliefs to my mother, but she was, he was a living reality to her. Uh, the Holy Spirit, and, and still is, uh, as I was growing up and even day, uh, to today, the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit were evident in my mom's life. And I saw that God wanted to relate to us as he did to Moses, face to face as a man with his friend. 
I don't believe my mom has ever seen Jesus' face uh, uh, in the uh, natural, physical realm, though some might and have had visions over the course of centuries. But my mother has communed face to face with God and is through the Holy Spirit that she has done this. We're going to look at that today. Um, Jesus also, as I said, demonstrated this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit during his time on earth. You know, we have a precious opportunity to walk with the Holy Spirit in an intimate way as believers in Jesus Christ. Um, As I talk today about the Jesus way of the Spirit, I want to increase your desire to know God in this kind of intimate way. To know him in a way as uh, one speaking to a friend, as one that is not just uh, doctrine uh, based. Obviously, we need to have proper doctrine, and I study the scriptures, but one who is based, as as, uh, uh, Matt shared with us a few weeks ago, uh, a presence base, one who says, as Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up as your people Israel from here. We must have you, we must see you, and you must be among us. So we're going to talk about that today. And uh, uh, the Holy Spirit, the three things I want to look at today as we look at the scripture in John chapter 16 is that the Holy Spirit defends us, he demonstrates God's message through us, and he gives God's direction to us. You want to say those three words? Defend. Say defend. He's defending you today. Demonstrate. He wants to demonstrate himself through you today. And direction. Just as Dave is leading this class, the Holy Spirit is leading a class every single day <laughs> called the way of knowing and understanding the will of our God. God is not desiring to keep his will secret from you, but he is desiring you to pursue him, and therefore out of knowing him, then you know what he's called you to do. Let's get started here reading in John chapter 16 and verses 1 through 7. If you're with me today, say hey. All right, if you weren't with me, say hey again. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, only those that said hey again. All right. Jesus says here, all this I have told you so that you, speaking to us dear and near disciples, will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. Uh, Grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is our defender. The Holy Spirit defends us from Satan's schemes and from Satan's accusations. The Holy Spirit is not an it, by the way. (laughs) You may say, uh, oftentimes I've heard people, and I know um, that many, if not most of them, know the truth of this, but the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not the force right? It's not the force like the force be with you, the good side of the force. That is an Eastern 
uh, religion type of thought. The Holy Spirit is the person of God here, the third person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is a real person with real emotions, with a real understanding of everything that is of the Father and the Son, and He is here in a personal and intimate way. Please know today that the Holy Spirit is, has a force, and with force, the kingdom is advancing. But the Holy Spirit is not merely a force. The Holy Spirit is a person who intimately wants to communicate with you, to commune with you, to encourage you, and to fill you with His goodness. The Greek word used to describe the Holy Spirit here is paraclete. I used that word last week. And also the, the Latin word is advocate. Okay? So you've got paraclete and advocate. Well, I want to talk about that. The Greek word parakletos, comforter, literally means called to help. Some synonyms of the word advocate are this, right? Champion. A champion of someone and someone's cause. A proponent. A backer. Someone that is a backer. Well, another way to say this is this is the best way I could come up with saying what the Holy Spirit is defined as the advocate and as the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is by your side and He is on your side. The Holy Spirit is by your side and He is on your side. John, get on up here again. Right? The Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ... Oh, sorry. It's... uh, It's like we're doing a dance here. When you receive Christ, when John received Christ, the Holy Spirit is with him, walking beside him everywhere, counseling him. Hey, John, I love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The the Father loves you. Jesus um, is praying for you right now. And and I love you too, John. Thank you. All right. But anyway, the Holy Spirit all throughout your life. Do you have a realization that the Holy Spirit is by your side? Oh, God, where are you? He says, I'm right here. I'm by your side. Now, we definitely do things sinfully that grieve the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is truly by your side. He's not just far away. God is is here through the Holy Spirit. But not only is he by your side, which I like him being by my side. You ever felt alone? Anybody out there ever felt alone? You don't want to raise your hand because it makes you feel more alone. (laughs) I know. <laughs> Is anybody out there alone? You're the only one who raises your hand. You feel so alone. Uh, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is by your side. Oh, I just want you to say that. Say that. Holy Spirit, you are by my side. He is by your side today. He is with you. He's in the car with you when you go driving to and fro. He is is out about with you. He is comforting you when you are weeping and no one else sees it or when you're weeping and others see it. (laughs) He is comforting you. He is strengthening you. But he is on your side. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. He is amazingly on your side because Jesus is on your side. You see, uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you no longer, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer stand under the judgment of God. You are no longer under the judgment of God in any way, shape, or form. It says we were born, right? We were born into sin, but we were born again, as uh, as Jesus said in John, the same book, chapter 3 to Nicodemus, born again in the Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, 
you go from being an enemy to being an intimate and compassionate, cared for one. And Jesus, by the way, you saying, uh-oh, enemy, that doesn't sound very nice. Jesus died for his enemies. When Judas came up to Jesus in the garden, what did Jesus say to him? Friend, and I'm not, you're not Judas, I'm sorry, I didn't want to freak you out there. Uh, you know, so I mean, I'll just stand to a, uh, no. friend, do what you came for. Do you see any better example of Jesus as a friend to his enemies? He died for everyone that was his enemy. So if I say, I don't like you saying people are enemies of God. Well, the reality is, all of us were born as enemies of God. But the Son, Jesus Christ, said, I love my enemies, and I'm drawing them back to myself. But if he loves his enemies, how much more does he love his own beloved family, those that have been adopted into sonship and daughtership in the Lord Jesus Christ? Praise his holy name. You know what's happening? Jesus, as it says in Hebrews 7, 14, is before the Father advocating for you, saying, Father, rain down your blessings and strength upon my uh, brother and sister today. You are literally brothers and sisters sisters of Jesus Christ through his blood. Rain down your grace upon them, Father. Give everything that is needed today to Christian. That's a good name for a Christian. To Christian so that he can walk in wisdom and in purity and in knowledge. Lord, I see what's coming up for Christian. Give him everything he needs. But you see, Jesus is praying that before the Father. But the Holy Spirit is praying that and getting that across to your spirit here on earth. You see, Jesus said, it's for your good that I'm going. Because Jesus, God, was in one place at a time. <laughs> he was at all places and one place. I know, it'll blow your mind. But, but Jesus said, if I go, then he gets sent to you. So this is what we want to know and understand from this, is that the Holy Spirit is by your side and he is on your side. He is by your side and he is on your side. That's what it means. The advocate, the paraclete. You do not have, if you spend your life continually condemned, wanting to run away from God, feeling vagueness and, uh, and misunderstanding of God, you are still in, in need. And I say you have a great uh, future ahead to understanding the truth of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never discourages. He convicts. He calls sin what sin is in order to deliver, but he never discourages. He never disheartens. He always brings hope, faith, and love. Which spirit have you been listening to? The Holy Spirit, the paraclete that is beside you? Or an evil spirit? Or something of the sort? Or something that is uh, uh, spoken by someone else um, that is not accurate about you? Are you still listening to that word that was spoken to you when you were a little child by someone? who chose to attempt to define you by what they said, or you listen to the Holy Spirit who's saying, you are my precious one. I love you, I'm with you, I'm for you, and you're going to make it. Hallelujah. The second thing, as we continue in the book of John, chapter 16 and verses 8 through 11, is this. Uh, it says this. When he comes, Jesus speaking again about the Spirit, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world stands condemned. So the first thing we see is the Holy Spirit defends us. Are you glad the Holy Spirit is defending you today from Satan's schemes and Satan's accusations? 
that the Holy Spirit is even defending you from your own choice to, to uh, attempt to uh, flagellate yourself and try to, try to bring your own penance in. And the, the Holy Spirit says, no, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for you today. He defends you, but he also demonstrates the truth of God's message through you. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's by your side. He's on your side. And he's also working through you to demonstrate. Not only does the Holy Spirit defend you, but he demonstrates God's love through you. Let's look at this. Let's talk about it. The Holy Spirit is committed to convicting people of sin and to demonstrating the truth of God's message through us as believers in Jesus Christ. Here's two ways that the Holy Spirit demonstrates God's love through you and through me who are believers in Jesus Christ. He brings conviction to people's hearts about their sinfulness and about the love of the Father. You know, no one, I don't know if you've realized this, um, just let the kids have fun. They're, they're just enjoying life. I'm, I see them as well. Maybe that's a good picture right there of the joy of the Spirit and the freedom that we should be walking in. No one can truly convince someone about the sinfulness and the fa- of, of their own heart and of the Father's love apart from the Holy Spirit. No one can do it. As we develop a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit, He will do the convincing as we share with other people about the love of Jesus. I can't tell you how many countless times as I have talked to people and met with people in everyday life, wherever I am out among, among people, that when I've asked them if I could pray for them, that the Holy Spirit begins convincing and convicting in ways I never could have. I could have begun a dialogue on how they're wrong, how I'm right, how I have the right doctrine, which I do believe that uh, doctrinally I'm, I'm growing <laughs> in, in uh, correctness as I'm staying daily in God's Word. But it's not the convincing. The convincing is, uh, comes through a deep measure and work of the Holy Spirit in and through you and in and through me. When you come in contact with people, what, what happens we, when we become more and more mature and able to walk in the Spirit, we come on the scene and the Holy Spirit does the convincing and the convicting. And we speak words, but it's interesting that uh, very clearly Paul says that we will testify, but the Holy Spirit is testifying as well. We, it's not that we, can't, we don't testify. It's not, well, they'll know that Jesus loves them and he died on the cross just by me being nice. No, but as we testify about God's goodness... He testifies about it. The Holy Spirit, you got to know it or you will either shrink back in fear or you will try to work in your own manipulation to get someone to do something. But you believe in faith. The Holy Spirit is doing the convincing. And He will convince. He will touch hearts. He will reveal things in ways you can never understand or in ways that are not understandable to man. So the Holy Spirit is demonstrating through convicting people's hearts about the sinfulness uh, you know, people having pictures. I was praying for a guy one time, uh, and he was, like, totally unconcerned. I was on the missions outreach, outreach, and he was completely unconcerned about God. And we had just a few minutes. We were in a, uh, um, in a train station, and we said, could we pray for you a minute? He said, yes. And we laid hands on him. We said, God, reveal yourself to this man. He opens his eyes, and he says, it's the weirdest thing. I feel like I'm on uh, a fence and there, one side of this fence, there's, there's life and a green pasture, and the other side is death and destruction, and I need to get onto the other side of the fence. Well, that's some good convincing. So, well, let me lay that out for you. <laughs> God is 
the God of all gods and the King of kings, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you want on the other side of the fence into the real life, surrender your life to Jesus and receive Him. He said, I'm up for that. He gave His life to Jesus. He ran on. I'm trusting that God got a hold of Him. We tried to connect Him with some folks. But God will do convincing if we will open our mouths. (laughs) But not by us trying to convince. It is never us that convince. The Holy Spirit convinces by His goodness. The other thing that the Holy Spirit does through us is He demonstrates God's message through, through signs, wonders, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to the will of the Father. Oh, I see all you young, zealous people for God really excited out there. Because you want reality. I think this generation wants reality. And they want to see God be real among a people. And he proves, the Spirit proves Himself through that. Another way that the Holy Spirit demonstrates this truth of God's message is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, including healing and miraculous powers. Jesus didn't give these signs to those who demanded them of him, but to those who desperately needed a demonstration of his love. You see, all those who came up, Jesus, show me a sign. Jesus said, peace out. (laughs) Not going to show you a sign. You're demanding of me, right? But to those who said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He said, here's your sign right here. You see the difference? Jesus, prove yourself to me. Show me a sign. No. No, you're all set, aren't you? You're going to be there. But the one who says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy, I'll show you every sign there is in the book. Not so I can prove uh, uh, how great I am, but so I can demonstrate my love to you. And this is a prime, one of the best examples I could say and about Uh, us as we're planting churches and we're desiring to see God's message extended throughout um, the nations is um, it came from uh, a church that was planted in Mongolia. It started in 1993 by some dear friends of ours named Brett and Jackie. Brett and Jackie moved to the city, the capital city of Mongolia, and it is a cold place, coldest place I've ever been, 50 below I think one day. I mean, whoo, can get warm too. But uh, they, uh, they went in And they said, God, do something among this people uh, that is beyond our ability. Well, what they did was they planted a church there in the capital city, and and God began moving. Probably half of the people in the church, uh, I may not be exaggerating, or it may be somewhere around there, uh, were healed uh, before they came to Jesus. Um, And as a result of healing, they were opened up to God's message, and they gave their life to Jesus. Well, anyway, what they ended up doing... uh, in the years following is they took trips out. It was a very evangelistic, a very uh, forward-going people. They would go out to all the different villages throughout Mongolia as a church, not just Americans, but the Mongolians who got fired up for Jesus. And they'd go out and they would preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And they would go out and they would trust that God wanted to demonstrate his message of love to those people through them. And uh, let me tell you a little about this. I'll, uh, I'll just read a little of this. It says, In the spring, Sagana's older sister and some other people from the mother church, okay, this was several years ago when this happened, but this is a demonstration of God's love, in the capital, went to the town where we have a daughter church. So they had started a church in this town, and a group was going out on outreach to this town. Upon arrival, they found that the man, not a Christian, he was actually a Buddhist, Uh, had died, and for 38 hours he had had no signs of life. So the doctors uh, said, take him home for burial. 
He was that kind, 38 hours. It's like we spoke about Lazarus last week in the King James Version. Lord, he stinketh, right? He was dead. He was gone. He had left the building or whatever building he had left, okay? But all the family gathered and they were preparing for the funeral. Sagana's sister, this, this little, little gal, she thought God told her clearly, go and pray for this dead man. The family were Buddhist and they didn't want to allow it. They actually felt like she was making fun, but the mom actually then after that softened her heart and allowed her to pray. God touched the mom because he allowed her to go in and pray. She placed her hand on the dead man and prayed for him to live. His eyelids moved, which to me is quite a bit, but they say they're so of faith, but that was all. <laughs> I mean, golly. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> they see miracles all the time, and we will be seeing more soon. He tried to, uh, I'm sorry, he tried to speak to her. His consciousness returned, but he couldn't move. He tried to speak to her as she prayed, but couldn't move at all. After she left the house, his strength slowly returned. He asked, for some, he asked someone for a drink of water four hours after prayer, and everyone was shocked, obviously. A dead man had talked. Then he got out of bed, started walking around town looking for the Jesus people. That's how he referred to them. His family, who were preparing to bury him, were astonished that this dead man got up and was speaking to them, asking them where the Jesus people are. His family was afraid and kept trying to have him lay down and get some rest. This man was dying. He died of liver cancer. I forgot to express that to you. Uh, he hadn't just suddenly died. He had been... Woo! Hey, it's okay. Never know. <laughs> he had been very sick in the hospital, but he got totally better and he went back to work. He had liver cancer, but now he has nothing. So when he gets healed and raised from the dead, he has nothing. His body is clean and clear. Truly a miracle done by Jesus. And this is the testimony. These are friends of ours. This is a part of our network. This is not something that we made up from somewhere. This is what God is doing. You don't have to totally clean it. You're great, man. Thank you. He suddenly died. Well, I'm sorry. They said this. When the group from our church in the capital city returned the following week, the living man prayed to Jesus and was baptized, and so were his family, previously all Buddhists who didn't want anything to do with Jesus. A total of 14 people were baptized together with him. This included his wife, the doctor who had pronounced him dead, family members, and all. He is now alive, cancer-free, and following Jesus in his town of 12,000. Praise the holy name of Jesus. This is the same Holy Spirit with which we have to do. This is the same Holy Spirit that is operating in our lives. The same one that, that is on our side <laughs> and is by our side. The same Holy Spirit as, is here as he is today. The question I have is the desperation level. How badly do we want for those who have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ? How willing are we to take a risk as this young lady did and said, I'm going to risk it all to see someone. But God, uh, the, the, this guy's a taxi driver in the town and the message has rung out. They said this last thing. Apparently, the waves have not subsided. Others continue to find Jesus through this miracle. He is a driver and all the people in the town know him. 12,000 people in the town. Todi, another one there, thought that all have heard about him. Glory to God. So, <laughs> praise the holy name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit defends us from Satan's schemes and accusations. The Holy Spirit 
demonstrates the truth of God's message through conviction and through signs, wonders, and miracles. And the last thing I want to say is this. Let's read John 16, 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear, but when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak what He hears and tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he has made known to you. All that bring, belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he has made known to you. The Holy Spirit delivers, right? He delivers all the wisdom that God has to us. He defends us. He demonstrates his love through us. And he delivers all the wisdom that God has to us. The Holy Spirit is the conduit through which all of the riches and glory of God come. It says about Jesus in Colossians 2, 2, and 3, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Can you just even fathom that? In the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. We don't need to look to horoscopes. We don't need to check our biorhythm. We don't need to depend on the latest book or the latest fad for our wisdom. It comes straight from the Holy Spirit who is by our side and who is on our side. The Holy Spirit. We are to be a Spirit-led people. A Spirit-led people. If Jesus needed to spend the night in prayer before calling out His disciples by name, He did that, by the way. God in the flesh spent a night in prayer before He presume to call the disciples to him and if Jesus needed to spend an hour in prayer in the garden of Gethsemane in order to be assured of the true course of action of his sacrificing of his life on the cross for our sins how much more should we be asking should we be depending and praying before we make decisions in life when we develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit and regularly ask Him questions, then we have access to information we can't see or hear in the natural. There's nothing wrong in one sense with uh, conventional wisdom, but God isn't always conventional in His approach. If I had listened to conventional wisdom, I would have said goodbye to this town 15 winters ago. But the Spirit of God testifies to me. You know what the Spirit of God testifies to me that I hear from Him? Stay here and see my church empowered to reach the nation. See a place that no one said could be reached. Reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See whether people come or go, whatever they say. See this city become empowered to transform nations and to be a conduit of bringing our whole nation back to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit says to me. He's not saying, see how awful the winter you hate is? Yes, I see that with my eyes. Grr, I am not happy sometimes. I wasn't happy yesterday. But I don't care if I'm happy or not. I want to be obedient because then I'll really be happy. Ultimately, are we living for being happy first? Or are we living for being His first? Happiness will come. Joy, true joy in the Spirit. So I want us to stand. I want the band to come. I want to say this to you. For those who are new in a faith journey, Jesus is speaking. Oh, I'm sorry. We must learn to trust his guidance even when we cannot see why. Why do we have to know why in everything? We have to know him. And he knows why. And it's good enough. My wife, come here for a second. It's good enough to be able to hold the hand of the spirit, the paraclete, 
the one who walks beside, it's good enough to hold that hand and say, I can't see, I can't understand, but I am holding your hand. I'm with you, and I will go, and I will follow you, or stay with you, or eat turnips with you, no matter what it takes, in order to be obedient to you, because I trust you, God. You are good, and all your ways are good. Let God touch you. Jesus is speaking to you who are new on a faith journey through the Holy Spirit. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 plus years ago in order to take the punishment of sin that you and I deserve. I want to plead. I'm pleading today with you to confess that you're a sinner just like I am (laughs) and accept Jesus. And you know what? As you receive Jesus and give your life to him, you will learn that way of the Spirit. Come to Jesus today and receive life. For those who already have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to let these guys kind of lead us out in a little bit of a response to whatever that is. And if you have insight from the Holy Spirit, those of you who operate in the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, faith, miraculous power, submit to Mark and John your words, and we're going to trust God to minister. And we're going to try to be finished here in a few minutes and head up to uh, the wonderful cake auction. But let's respond to God with all of our hearts. The Holy Spirit, our Redeemer, uh, the the one who, who takes us and draws us near to His side.